to White Truck! Yeah, are you ready to truck it? Welcome to What the Truck. It's Friday. I'm Tuner here with... Michael Vincent. Welcome, everybody. <laughs> Beautiful day to be trucking in Freight Alley, my friend. What's going on there, Tuner? You look like a, a, a trunk that's been lost and made it around the world on a couple different steamships. I know. I should be over at Love's or something, standing by the postcard section. I don't know. Everything's wild. I don't even know what that instrument was I was playing. I, I took it from my kid's room. And I'll tell you, living in this apartment, I've been in Chattanooga for almost two years now. And it, it's kind of funny because... A lot of things, a lot of times, like you got to go with where energy is, is leading you. And I mentioned to you uh, a couple of days ago, I said, you know, I'm running out of space. Lease is coming up looking for a house. And you said, hey, man, house across the street for me is for sale. So going to uh, check it out after work today. I'll stop by your house afterwards. And hey, maybe we'll be neighbors. We can string up some uh, tin cans. We can broadcast on the block. What the truck rocks the block. Yeah, absolutely. I, I look out my second story window here outside my studio music room right here, and I kind of look right over there into the, the bonus room over your garage, which, yeah, we could, boom, little Cam- Campbell soup skin. I hope you like uh, fireworks, by the way, too, because this corner of the neighborhood down here, we do it upright on the 4th, my friend. Do you really? So my dog doesn't love the fireworks, but uh, I, I am a, I'm a fan. I'm looking for a good neighborhood for Halloween, too. I missed that from the last one I was in. It was a good time. Uh, it's a knockdown Halloween party neighborhood, and uh, we do a very strong, about 45-minute hour-long uh, 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 fireworks show. So 290 mortars last year. Wow. So to give you an idea. Good stuff. Just yeah. don't set my roof on fire. Just don't set my roof on fire. By the way, good. good. Well, that's, a, that's a possibility. We've burned down a few garbage cans. <laughs> All right, well, Push Transit says, good morning. Thanks, guys, for joining us. If you want to give back to the show, just share this out on social. Invite everyone. Of course, it's free. Uh, On today's show, it's going to be a big one. We're talking about how the high cost of logistics, right, warehouse tightness, the e-commerce boom, lack of visibility, and poor tech choices can all converge and collude to put you out of business, especially if you're a shipper. A couple stories about that and a couple of guests that are going to speak towards that as well. But let's get things started and let's tip the band. Thank you. To our sponsor, Zembles, you want to crush your numbers? So stop random prospecting. Zembles can tell you who is spending on shipping and get you those leads instantly, taking your sales process from, get this, 95% failure to 50% success rate. And like we said last time, if you're hitting 50%, you're driving that Lamborghini into space number one at work. So where should they go? You need to go to start uh, start.zembles.com forward slash free trial immediately after the show. Get a free demo today. Get yourself that 50% success rate. That is awesome, Dooner. Absolutely. Man. Let's get into. Yeah, it's headlines, 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 headlines. And because it's Friday, we have the DHL supply chain pricing power index. This week hasn't moved from last week. You're not having deja vu. It still has, it's still at a 70 with a long-term outlook of a three-month outlook of a 75. For those of you who may not know, the pricing power index takes a bunch of key indices from within sonar, looking at things like rejections and spot rates, um, even, even transportation stocks in deciding what this number is. But let's break it down for you a little bit and let you know why it is at that number. In the recent, in the most recent Bank of America COVID and consumer report, the impact on spending, and you know, we've been talking about spending because logic would stand to reason that, you know, people have less money. They're not going to buy as much crap. However, that uh, hasn't really stood up to be the case. In fact, stimulus payments, which just came out. I don't know if you got yours. I, I got mine the other day. Uh, it's, I already put into some Bitcoin um, for those who receive stimulus payments, though. <laughs> total credit card spending is up 20 percent since January 1st. That is nearly four times the average growth since December. 
And get this, the lowest income households are seeing the biggest boost in spending. They're not saving from these stimulus checks. They might be putting in Bitcoin too or buying PlayStation 5s. The lowest income tier total card spending is up 22% year over year. That's incredible. I mean, and you got unemployment insurance registrations are back on the rise at 140,000 jobs were lost last week. But like you said, Americans are still spending and still giving us little reason to really doubt that there's any uh, their ability to really carry both the freight market and the economy as a whole. And retail what retail imports up 15 percent year over year. Uh each of the last five months uh, of of, two, of 2020. And according to truckstop.com data available in Sonar, the dry van rate per mile fell more than 5% this week to $3.04 a mile, which is still very, very high, inclusive of fuel. Uh, and spot rates have peaked for this cycle and will remain elevated from a historical standpoint. But I don't see them hitting that 322 that they did on January 3rd, my friend. We'll see, though. I mean, the stimulus checks did come out. So, you know, we've been shocked by the DHL supply chain pricing power index before, and, and maybe we will next week. We'll have to see how things go. There's some people in the comments here. Davin Cozen says, happy Friday. He goes, Andrew Bound says, love the getup, Dooner. Thank you very much. In fact, uh, you're going to love your getup pretty soon. I got that promo code for you to go get your shirt. I will send that over to you uh, next week. I'm just waiting for them to clear out the shipping on that so you don't have to pay for that one. So just keep an eye out. And Peter Belay says, someone just took your bike turnaround. I'm not really sure what that means. Uh, Midwest Midwest Furniture Retailer Loves goes Chapter 11, blames Penske Logistics. This is an interesting story and maybe a cautionary tale for many of you. A startup Midwestern furniture retailer has filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, reports our own John King Kingston. This is less than a year after it began hiring management staff, and it's mostly blaming Penske for the company's collapse. So, well, Pennsylvania-based Penske Logistics isn't the largest creditor of the company, it's fifth on the list of the largest 20 unsecured creditors. It is a company that loves, appears to fault for its collapse, though a reading of the bankruptcy petition reveals other issues the company had in its short life. Yeah, you know, Dooner, they're really throwing Penske under the bus here. The lawsuit says yeah. that the first problem is that Penske Logistics insisted on using its own warehouse management system rather than Storis, a software system used in, in furniture industry. So that's first off. And then Penske also leased a space for loves at a warehouse in Burton, Michigan, which the lawsuit says uh, quickly became very clear that it was not large enough to hold all of the inventory and and, and process all the orders for, for their furniture. Half-filled trucks were sent on at times, according to Peters. There was no coordination between Penske Logistics Systems or the Burton facility and the Evans facility. As a result, hundreds of deliveries were delayed or un ultimately canceled because of the uh, the merchandise needed to fill a customer's order could not be found located within the Burton warehouse, is what they're called. They're really throwing Penske under the bus here. You, it, it all started out well, right? <laughs> Famous last words. Everything's going great, but inventory problems are really the, the big issue here they're at issue and that i think that's why they're blaming penske because of some of the routing decisions although to your point they're kind of throwing them under the bus if they knew what what management system they were using they could have elected not to use penske and they could have used someone who aligned better just because you pick a logistics provider doesn't mean it's the right one you also have to do your due diligence right but frustrate but here's what happens though it doesn't matter you know that back end stuff customers don't care what customers care about is getting their orders on time, and they weren't, so they began canceling them, and this company stopped making revenue. One local headline read, uh, will Love's Furniture brief story end in heartbreak? And um, you know what? It sounds like they did. They did $40 million in sales, too. The problem is they had $68 million in inventory. Uh, yeah, that's, that's an issue. But like you said, man, I mean, uh, Penske, love them. 
maybe a bad marriage, dude. You, you've got as many people we've talked to here over new tech that has been developed, dude. Or what's the one thing they always say? Make sure it's the right one. Make sure that you have a great marriage. And those that are selling that tech, they know that too. We've talked to many who have turned down potential customers because they weren't the right fit for them. Yeah, ultimately. And, you know, bad decisions like that, bad partnerships, especially in that first year, it, it can lead to that. And maybe if they had somebody with a little bit more logistics experience, I don't know if they decided on that. They learned about that warehouse management system afterwards. But those are the pratfalls, man. If you listen to a show like this, maybe you can get ahead of it. Um, here's another one. This was in Andrew Cox's uh, point of sale. And it was taught. And I also covered it in the What the Truck newsletter, which you can subscribe to going to FreightWaves.com slash WTT. Online retailers are paying almost double in logistics costs. He reported in point of sale, retailers pay more than 50%, right? They're paying more than 50% of revenue from the online channels. The, the logistics costs are 50% higher. I can't read today. The, 50, the logistics costs are 50% higher. For tip, typically, they're 6.2% for the online retailers, 12.3% if you're selling more than 50% of your goods online. Uh, 2020 is a year spent primarily expanding out fulfillment capabilities, but the roosters are coming home to roost uh, for some of these companies when they're seeing these logistics bills. Yeah, they absolutely are. Packaging, reverse logistics, uh, consumer demand, uh, competition, all of these things are driving these factors. And simultaneously, as retailers establish new curbside and other fulfillment offerings, some are looking to pass increased costs associated on to uh, the consumer and their suppliers. Obviously, they're going to look for that eventually. A Gartner analysis of 500 leading retailers found that there has been a 12.5% decline in the number of retailers offering free shipping and a 30% reduction in those offering uh, free shipping on returns uh, between between uh, late 2019 and August 2020. So the things have, tide has changed there, Tuner. Well, here, here's what's even worse, though. And this is a trend that is going backwards for shippers, especially with the huge bulk of, uh, of orders done over that 75-day peak season, is that a lot of companies, you may have found out you got something for Christmas, it didn't fit, maybe you bracketed, maybe you bought a couple sizes and you're sorry, I'm going to send back the small and the medium, I add too much on Thanksgiving. Well, you might have noticed some retailers are saying keep it. And the reason why is that the cost associated with returning the item can be between 10 to $20. And that's not even including logistics costs. And I'll tell you what, Michael Vincent, a lot of these goods don't go re-racked. They just end up in a, in a landfill or uh, otherwise becoming waste or taking up space and costing you even more. It's going to be a big challenge. It's one that retailers are absolutely going to have to solve this year. We're going to be seeing more bankruptcies. Yeah, you're absolutely right. One thing that it, this this uh, article uh, really ticks in my curious brain is what's a comparison between these? I understand the comparison between these on the 50%. Uh, they're spending more, double double on transportation. You have 50% or more in, in, in online retail. But what what is that comparison to the cost of, of managing all those brick and mortar stores as well? Is it, is it worth it to have that double or not? You know what I'm saying? That, that comparison I'd like to see done. Yeah, and that's where, especially in logistics, logistics is complicated. That's where you have to do the cost shakeup. And, you know, we talk about this in a rate perspective yep. a lot, that if you're just shopping rates, you're missing out on the, the big picture. You're missing out on accessorials. A lot of things you can, uh, you can negotiate away or things you can mitigate through routing. Well, same thing with stores. If you Maybe you have to shut down some of these brick and mortars. We'll see, but, you know, that might lead to less jobs, but it might lead to more. Maybe it'll lead to some warehouse jobs. We'll have to see. But yep. you know who's, who's helping out with the problem, at least by making docs more efficient? It's Jeff Booth. He's the head of product over at Open Doc, and he's here with us right now. Jeff, thanks for joining us. Man, that was a legendary level segue. I appreciate that. Happy to be here with you guys. 
Well, Open Doc, Good right? To see you, Jeff. You help uh, save uh, players across the industry time and money by giving carriers the ability to schedule their own doc appointments. We talked to you a couple months ago. We were talking about, um, you know, doc wait times and the problem associated with that and the frustration and the heartbreak and all those things that it that it costs. So it's been a couple of months. What have you been up to since then? Well, things have just gotten busier and busier. So just like you guys were talking about consumer spending being up, we're seeing that same thing. Appointments are up, uh, people who need appointment scheduling, more congestion, more warehouses need this. And it hasn't hasn't shown signs of slowing down. And I think the industry in 2021 is, is kind of exciting. It reminds me of when uh, kind of the track and trace capability came out. It reminds me of that where there's more entrance and we're starting to actually get uh, a tipping point where enough people know about it. And we're starting to get a large amount of requests. Yeah. It's a great service that you guys do. I've been following you guys and known you guys since you guys uh, started, started uh, offering this, this service. It's really, really interesting stuff. So what, what, what are you seeing now is, is, is there a really strong push? You mentioned there's more people wanting this and more people wanting this. You have people moving towards, uh, what is it? The uh, uh, to drop and hook. So, you know, what are you kind of results are you seeing from your users that can't do those drop and hooks? They really rely on this type of uh, this type of uh, technology, correct? Yeah, I think I think with all the new entrants to the space, the product education is getting there, and so now companies are starting to ask for it. And we previously had a lot of traction in the small and medium, and now we're seeing more and more enterprises and. Part of what I think it is, is I think they've hit kind of their bigger systems and they're working down the line. And next up is doc scheduling. So, you know, you have your ERP, you have your WMS, your TMS, and now you're starting the next frontier, which I think is the doc scheduling, yard management, doc management space. So we're starting to show up on more radars now that those other systems are in place. You're uh, your fashionable CEO. He compared your product to OpenDoc. Uh, is, that a, is that a valid comparison? You mean open table? Oh, sorry, open table. You are open talking compared to open table. We open are open ta- Maybe so one we day. Are very, we are very comparable to open doc. Uh, we are pretty comparable to open table as well. Yeah, just keep it easy. You know, you guys have been in the industry. You're used to logging into all the different portals, Retalics, and, and all the different for each individual warehouse. But in our platform, you just come to one, opendoc.com, and you can find them all in there. You don't have to have that, you know, epic spreadsheet of 700 rows of names, passwords, and URLs for all the appointments you have. We just keep it easy. So what are, what are, what are your customers looking for? What are the things that drive your innovation there, right? I mean, when they, like you mentioned, they go through the ERP, like you said, and applied that, uh, you know, they go through their bigger systems first, right? But that doc and scheduling that doc can really screw up an operation in a heartbeat. I know, I've been there, <laughs> right? So what are the things that they're looking for that drive your innovation? Yeah. So data is starting to become a much bigger component. Not only do we want to manage the appointments, but now we want to start tracking our team's effectiveness. How long are the trucks in the bay? Uh, How early do they show up to their appointment? How late do they show up? And really understanding that. And then some additional automation tools that pair well with appointments. A good example is self-check-in. You know, you see a future where we don't need to have someone at a security guard check. You could maybe have an iPad tablet or uh, where you're going in and entering in your driver's license, your trailer number, your name and cell phone. And that's checking you in and booking you for your 
doc. So those are some of the things we're starting to see from our customers. Now, you you mentioned working in parallel, you mentioned alignment, and we covered a story that was a cautionary tale before you came on about that furniture startup. They get with Penske. Penske uses a different WMS in the furniture industry. They realize that may be too late. Um, what kind of integrations does your program has? Is there, is, is it, is it one size fits all? Is it, is it more specific to certain industries? Is it parallel with, with certain where WMS is better? Uh, how does that work? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, we, we do have some out of the box integrations with people we've worked with in the past, but typically we just try to build an environment that's an open API. So for the tech geeks out there, it means we'll work with anything. So um, right now we have partners who bring us various WMS systems who ask if we can integrate and we say, yep, absolutely. Here's our open API that you can consume. And we're, we're pretty easy to work with on that front. And we know that we're a, we're a niche system filling a specific need. So it's really important for us to be accessible and easy to work with. We're not trying to replace a WMS or even a YMS. We just want to fit nicely in between them and work with whatever ones you have. What, what are the requirements... You know, uh, Go for it, Michael. I was just going to talk about, you know, we're looking at the at the wait times and 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 things were drastically improving year over year when you when we hit March of last year. Right. The wait times this year started to decrease. And I think it was really the speed and the necessity. Now in December, they've, they've kind of the wait times have kind of gone up there. Uh, how costly is that to those those people? And what are you what are you seeing as far as wait times? You mentioned the data uh, that you're you know, you got to innovate and, and show these different things and different efficiencies by door especially uh and at the different warehouses that are there what are you seeing in wait times right now the so agreed there they seem to be increasing and the data around that the, the costs are the direct ones are detention fees and overtime right when you're not planned out you're keeping your staff maybe that first shift stays halfway through the second shift to get caught up because you've created this bottleneck and so you have a lot of overtime and that's what our customers have been telling us. When they implement the appointment scheduling, they can reduce overtime and labor spend because they're more planned and they have the right staff there for the right amount of time. But the indirect costs are when you have frustrated drivers and carriers or, or bad relationships, you talked about a bad marriage, those rates are going to change and it's going to be more difficult to work together. So I think those are some of the indirect costs. But we're seeing the same thing that wait times continue to to creep up. And a lot of it can be blamed on the pandemic and the rush more of a just in time. And you're slamming a lot of trucks in there pretty quickly. So now our goal is just to manage that flow and reduce those wait times and, and get everyone on a little bit better schedule. Well, the average all wait time in the U.S. is 127 minutes, but that's not really a good number to look at. You're better off looking at the Doxy service because in congested areas, in congested areas, you can see it. It's much higher. For example, in Raleigh, North Carolina, what is it? 180 minutes, 165 in uh, in Richmond, Virginia. Um, New Orleans has 157. Boston, Mass, 157. Then I, you know, I'm from there. Then you're stuck in traffic for uh, forever. So huge, huge, huge problem. And it's one of those things that drivers are always complaining about because when they're not moving, they're not making money. Right. And it, you're right. It's very regionalized. And it's also by segment, right? Certain industries uh, may have, you know, you could think about the paper industry during this pandemic of they are taking in way more orders than they ever have before. And they might not have the resources to manage not only regionally, but also by the type of freight you're moving. Um, those are great comparison points. Uh, Jeff, before we let yeah, you absolutely food work. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Jeff, before we before we let you go, um, you know, you are a tech guy. You're, you're head of product. So I'm going to ask you one stupid question. And it is if you went back in time to the 1400s, what would your occupation be? Wow. 
oh my gosh, what can you do in the 14? It, you know, it makes me feel so helpless. I realized that all my skills are like, I'm really good at leadership and management and seeing a product. I realize survival of the fittest, I die quick. I'm completely useless without technology. I don't know. I'm probably like, uh, I don't know. What are my options? Like the town drunk? Do they have funny people back then? Uh, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm running for like governor. Court jester. Yeah. I think court jester probably fits me really well. <laughs> I love it, man. If court jester, uh, if court, if you don't want to be a court jester, you want, you want to get your uh, drivers and, and doc working officially. You want to get some open doc. Where should we send them to? Get all those people in the time machine back from the 1400s. Let's get them scheduled on opendoc.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, Jeff Booth, really easy. But opendoc.com will take care of whatever you need on the doc scheduling front. Thank you very Straight much. Straight up. Hey, <laughs> Jeff, I was going to say, I think Columbus is looking for people to man his ships. He's going to the new world. <laughs> oh, man, he's your classic problem up at the wrong facility. We can't help that guy. <laughs> He's, exactly right. he's the one who thought manatees were mermaids. You know, you can't trust him. He, he never knew where he landed. He needs some visibility. And next, we're going to be talking about visibility with Krenner Komani, CEO of Times. But before we get to that, let's just play a quick, uh, a quick video we have that they sent over to us. It's got a gold retriever in it, and I'm a sucker for dogs. Daddy, daddy. Archie! Archie? Archie, where are you? Have you seen Archie? No, I think I've seen him this morning. Archie, where are you? Can Tive be used to track your dog? Yes, but Tive is used by shippers and third-party logistics companies to track their loads in real time. Archie, <laughs> come over here. I love it. I love it, Krenner. I love Archie. Thank you for uh, sharing that video with us. My parents, um, my parents have a golden retriever named Maybelline. They they love it very much, and so do I. <laughs> nice, awesome. Can you guys hear me well? Yeah, you sound excellent. Oh yeah, you sound excellent, man. So, awesome. Awesome. this is your first time on the show. So, introduce yourself to our fair audience here. Uh, yeah, my name is Krenner Komoni. I'm the founder and CEO here at Tive. And uh, what we do at Tive, we help companies all over the world with uh, in transit visibility data and help them to tell them all over the world where their shipments are and not just where the location of the shipments are, but how hot, how wet, how cold did somebody open the trailer container all in real time. Well, you know, we're we helping a lot of logistics companies, both shippers and 3PLs. We have more in common than just golden retrievers. We both uh, started what we're doing in the great Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Is it true <laughs> that this all started in a basement in Worcester, Mass, when you're looking for a tracking solution for your father-in-law? Yeah, it all started in Worcester. Mass. Um, I once I got married, my wife's dad uh, is in trucking business. He's a carrier. He's got a few trucks. And every time I would go to his house, he would be on the phone. Minute like 10 p.m. on dinner, we're trying to have dinner, and he would be on the phone trying to figure out where his drivers are. And my background being in tech, I used to design chipsets for smartphones. I uh, worked for an MIT startup. We build the world's most efficient base stations. The things that go on cell towers. So a lot of wireless experience. And I said, you know what? Let me build a GPS tracker and put it in your trucks. And uh, that's how it all started. That's excellent stuff. You know, Krenar, back in back in my day, you know, when I was tracing shipments for for customers, uh, when I started out, it was it was send a Twix message through the AS four hundred that would 
print out on a dot matrix and maybe somebody tore it down every half hour or so and maybe they read it maybe they looked for it and maybe they sent you a message back you know <laughs> the technology has come a long long way those type of things can destroy partnerships with with shippers we've seen it in in many of the data people blaming uh you know the the seller or the retailer or the manufacturer for the issues of logistics and not knowing where things are how are you guys solving that problem what tell us more a little bit about what you guys are doing there yeah, definitely. So we have um, <laughs> more than uh, hundreds of customers. And what we do with the uh, customers is simply if you're shipping strawberries, if you're shipping blueberries, if you're shipping automotive parts, somebody at the end, somebody on the other side is waiting for those uh, items. Wouldn't it be nice to know if something goes wrong ahead of time? And that's what we do for our customers. What customers do is they take these trackers that we built, they're single use. All they do is they take the tracker, put it on the pallet, they just peel it, put it on the last pallet, and we're telling them the location and also condition. Let's say in this case, temperature with, um, with our customers. If something goes wrong on that load, we're monitoring that for our customers and then emailing, talk, calling the carrier, making sure that that reefer is okay. So that when it gets to the end destination of the retail store, the retail store, the receiver opens up the trailer and everything's fine on that load. So we've saved quite a bit of shipments and uh, definitely created that customer, it can improve that customer's experience between the shipper, receiver, and also we involve the carrier in this. So carrier is also quite happy that we're watching these loads for them. You know, I remember a couple of years ago reading about how IoT was going to change freight and some of the promises were being able to track you know, yeah. with delicate items, being able to track shocks that were happening to them um, with perishables, especially because I worked in, in fish, you know, being able to track temperature control or, or more presciently with vaccines, being able to track temperature control, wait times and all of those kind of things. How far along is IoT right now? Is that what your is that what your solution is is using? Absolutely. Yeah. You could call it Internet of Things. Uh, I would like to always focus more on the solution and the problem that we're solving the customers. But at the end of it is Internet of Things. Uh, it's come a long way to be able to make these in a very cost effective way so that you can put them on every single shipment and use them as single use. We love recycling. We love reusing them. That's kind of the, the future of this. So these are all cellular connected. They connect to 5G, 4G, 2G towers all over the world. Um, so IoT has come a long way and we believe we've done as far as innovation, we're the first ones to release like a 5G ready, first ones with actually trackers that have no lithium batteries um, and customers seem to love it. And the reason why they love it, it's pretty straightforward Duner, and uh, it's because it's so easy. All you do is you take this, we drop ship these trackers at a warehouse, we drop ship at a, a, a location where they're shipping from. All they do is they peel it, they scan it. It integrates with their TMS. They put that number in the TMS. We integrate it with a load number. Now they know exactly where that load number is. And uh, it's, it's really come a long way. If you think of maybe 10 years ago or five years ago, I had to use like bulky GPS trackers, like $100, $200 each. Obviously, the, the cost of that doesn't make sense. So being here and like on a low double-digit numbers, it, it really uh, helps us a lot. So, Krenar, I'm, I'm looking for a, 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 a solution for tracking my shipments, right? And I can reach out yeah. to just about anybody and they can tell me where this stuff is, right? What are the differentiators? What, what, what are the things that differentiate the different products in this space? Um, when you say anybody, what do you mean? 
Just, uh, just so that, that like, well, uh, somebody's got visibility solutions, right? I need visibility. Got solutions it. Got it. Got America. it. What are, are they all the same, or what? What are the what are the differentiators? What are the key things that I need to be looking for when I'm looking for this solution? Yeah. So if you're looking at visibility in general, like it's a big, big market, and if you're looking to just know where a particular truck is, and if you and that truck has telematics, has ELD, you can connect just through APIs. That's one way to do it, right? And that solves quite a bit of uh, shipping visibility uh, challenges that you might have. But uh, we believe that the next phase is getting down to the load, understanding what's happening with the pallet, understanding what's happening with your shipment, regardless of the carrier, regardless of mode of transportation, regardless of location. So, right, we're doing domestic, we're doing cross-border, doesn't matter where you're uh, dropping a trailer, somebody else is picking it up, doesn't matter if it's international. That's the difference here. Uh, and then there's other trackers out there in the market, but what's unique about Tive and what, I guess when you're looking at various solutions, you want to see how accurate are they in location. You want to see to make sure that these trackers are going to last enough to do ocean, to do over the road. Are they reliable? Um, but that's the difference, if I had to put it in one way, right down to the load level. You've come a long way since that that basement in in Worcester. Did, did, so did you come up with a solution? Because you had a, you had a clear and present problem, right, from your father in law. But you also have a because I know you have some ties with MIT. So you have like a deep passion for for visibility, or do you just think that this is the right time to hit the market with this, and it's a business decision? Uh, well, definitely came through my father in law, right? And when I was tracking trucks for him, what I realized is. Yes, tracking trucks is one part of the business. There's a lot of players in that space. His friend wanted to track trucks. But what I realized, there were some shippers that were putting these passive temperature loggers on the loads. And I would ask this guy, Tony, who's a trucker, I'm like, Tony, how do they get the data out of this thing? He would say, well, at the end of the shipment, somebody opens the trailer, takes this out, plugs into a printer, looks at it, or plugs into USB, looks at it. I'm like, that's too late. <laughs> so the whole concept of making these real-time was with idea. I'm like, I, I had this passion for cellular connectivity, for wireless uh, solutions, making really low power uh, chipsets and also design uh, products. And it just those two came together for me. And uh, I was like, this, this market definitely is there. And I went to a few conferences. I just pitched the idea to a few manufacturers, to a few pharma companies. They were like, well, we need this. Like, there's nothing like that in the market. And I know we were uh, going to be the right team and the right group and the right uh, company to make this happen. So we're very proud of it. I love it. It's one of those things that I was reading articles about uh, two, three years ago, right? In sites like FreightWaves, I was with a warning company. I was doing like news roundups. And now I'm talking to the guy who made it all happen. If people want to learn more, they want to, <laughs> they want to get Tive. Where do we send them to after this, uh, after the show? Tive.com. T-I-V-E.com. That's <laughs> can, it. And follow you guys on Twitter too. You guys are, you guys are fun and friendly on Twitter. Uh, a good brand account you guys got going on. Thanks. Thanks. We appreciate it. We want, we want to make sure that customers really uh, are emotionally connected with us as we are with them. We love our customers. <laughs> well, Krenar, we love you too, man. Thank <laughs> you for joning us on the air today. We appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Thanks. Good talking to you guys. Take it easy. Great stuff. Thanks, Krenar. Yeah. Bye. Now, Michael, we didn't ask him about the uh, the 1400s, but in terms of visibility, uh, what do you think that would align with? Like <laughs> carrier pigeons or would that align with, uh, with, like the, um, with the navigation systems maybe in uh, Columbus's ship? Uh, what now? What what's the question here? What aligns with the navigation? No, fourteen hundreds. If he was, if if Quanar was in the fourteen hundreds, I'm saying, what would he be doing? Would he be with the carrier pigeons, or would he be doing like ship navigation? 
I think he'd be with the carrier pigeons, right? Yeah. I mean, he's trying to get information and visibility across really, really, really quickly. I think he would be losing his mind because <laughs> <laughs> hey, give us give us regular updates every couple of years, Columbus. Plus, then you, <laughs> then you gotta then you gotta plug the pigeon into the printer, and then you know have to pay a ton of money in ink. <laughs> All right, it's uh, it's time to say thank you again to our sponsor, Zembles, and the frustration of chasing those dead leads and start using Zembles data. Zembles will get you to the companies that are spending on trucking and logistics so you know where to focus your selling. Where should they go to? Go to start.zembles.com slash free trial. Sign up, sign up for your free demo today, immediately after the show. And Jeremy Thone, he's go a- to type.com. Jeremy Thone says the Internet of Things, IoT, describes a network of physical objects, things that are embedded with sensors, software, and other technologies for the purpose of connecting and exchanging data with other devices and systems over the Internet. Yeah, thank you for clarifying that, just in case. I, I know not everyone's familiar with IoT, relatively newer thing, so that uh, that's pretty cool. Phil Colbert, he says, who is monitoring the signal and what happens when things go sideways? Um, I, that's the good thing about visibility, right, versus historical data. When you have the historical data, you can see who had errors, right? You can penalize them way after the fact. With real-time data, at least you can be a lot more uh, proactive and, and, and you can react in real time to some of those, uh, those challenges that are happening. Um, you know, we're going to hear yeah, from absolutely. <laughs> Let, let's it's kind of important on perishable foods. You can figure out uh, before people get, you know, you have a, a an outbreak of Ebola or something like that. You can figure out that this is not good for tainted food, right? Yeah. And it's nice that we're getting over that horizon in freight tech where uh, where things are in real time data. Sonar is uh, open dog is uh, Tive is where, you know, in the past you had to, you had to rely on old data, you know, old information that was from a month ago, two months ago, which doesn't really help you yeah. in the rapid changing environment of freight but you know what does help you some good music so let's invite jeremiah craig he's a country artist on the air with us today he uh i saw him he played a set for i believe it was wreaths across america at their virtual event and i know he does some stuff with truckers so i said you know what brother you got to come on air with us thanks jeremiah thanks for having me this is great <laughs> i love it man I've been- oh, i love it I've been wearing jack of spades. <laughs> I, I I can't help but notice all of those cowboy boots behind you too. And I think I asked a question on Twitter, like, "What would you do if you bought Bitcoin at like three dollars or something? You had a ton of money, and you're like, I would buy everybody in America a pair of cowboy boots. But you don't have to get me some. I got I got some snakeskins right here. Oh, those look so yeah. good. All right, rate them for me. What? Give, give these a review. They look great. It actually looks like lizard skin to me, and they got a nice square toe on them. Yeah. What are they? They, I don't know Dan, what uh, Tony Lamas, Dan Post. I am not sure brand because it doesn't say on the bottom or maybe I've just scuffed it up moving around too much, but they're super comfortable. They got the wide leg, too. So you can you can keep your you can throw your jeans inside and really show them off. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Vincent, you got your boots. Very with you? nice, dude. Well, I got well, my more my more work boot oriented. Right. Mm. So they're area. But uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Right. These are these are the these are just absolute solid for getting shit done <laughs> stuff done. i got a pair of those too those are <laughs> awesome yeah i love them hey so Jer- <laughs> jeremiah you want to you want to hit us up with a song i would love to uh, i would love to play one that i have called uh we've bobtailed further for less um you know it's about you know my travels and just the future sort of putting in the time uh and i took the metaphor from talking with truckers during my time on the road and being on tour beautiful Take right. it away. I'm going to go. 
That big old moon graces my review Like a high beam cascade rig A hauling stone for that morning crew as I stop to rest for my last leg And this road's running out of city With no expectations or toes No, she shines to the roots that grip me with no one to bear the load Yeah, we've a bobtailed a further for less And it looks like we're already dressed To make this right She said, don't ever stop, son. As she put away the plates. With more cold shoulders, one. We follow our streets. This road's running out of heartland She even puddles on the crown But these roots cradle a strong stand And won't ever let it down Yeah, we've above-tailed a further for less and we can't stop now I must confess we have to try it's been miles since dinner Can't forget to grease the fittings. Constantine cheers, parking lot sinners. So I don't forget how to spend my slim winnings. And this road's running out of spirit. She's cracked and full of holes. I believe it's time to commandeer it. Where the roots take hold. Yeah, we've a bobtailed a further for less. And here is the very best on our mind.
bobtail for the rest. Excellent. Wow. Excellent job. I mean, we, we really, we really, a lot of people in the comments too. I'm loving this song already. Beautiful. I'm so chill right now. Jeremiah, people who want to get more chill with your music, where, where should we send them? Do they go to your YouTube channel? You got a Spotify? I do have a Spotify. I do have a YouTube channel. You can find them all at jeremiahcraig.com or just search Jeremiah Craig in Google or in Spotify or in YouTube, whatever you use. I try to make it easy to find me. So you can just search Jeremiah Craig and uh, you'll find me. Jeremiah, we got to book you for 20 minutes next time. I hope you'll come back on the show because uh, we do have to get to an, another guest. Time goes so quick, especially when you're hearing good music. So we'll, uh, hopefully we can have you back in a couple months here if, if you're open to it. Definitely. Anytime. Thank you so much. And congrats on going three days a week. <laughs> Appreciate it. Hey, thanks, Jeremiah. Appreciate it, Jeremiah. Have a great weekend, brother. You too. Peace. Take care. Peace. Now, now joining us for our battle of the bands, it is uh, it's Matt Silver, <laughs> Matt, Matt Silver, CEO and co-founder of Forger. Matt, what uh, what track are you going to play for us today? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, I, I, I finally figured out how to play a song with one hand on a piano, and I cannot counter the guy that was just playing so nothing <laughs> what, what's this what, what's the song you learned uh, with one hand i don't actually know what it's called oh it's twinkle twinkle little star oh okay well you know we all got to start somewhere you know matt yeah i don't think it's gonna be a career path for me well speaking speaking of starting somewhere i was reading on linkedin a comment that you made and uh you were saying is this true your original concept for forager was food delivery for boaters no, to clarify that, so um, when uh, when I left Coyote originally, we wanted to, uh, I had reached out to Jordan, one of my co-founders and one of my closest friends growing up, and we were talking about what type of company we wanted to start, and uh, Uber for boating was one of the things that came up. I don't think you can do that in Chicago where you get maybe two or three months of warm weather and people in boats. Uh, I think now the trend would have been to move to Florida and do that. But at this point, uh, we're happy with what we're building. <laughs> that, that's interesting. I thought that was a, uh, I thought that was a, a joke question. You were tricking me into asking him. Um, <laughs> like when I was singing happy birthday to Molo uh, a month ago, that was completely out of context, but so you guys are branching out. <laughs> you guys are branching out into uh, new tools for carriers and stuff. Why do that now? And what are you guys doing? We have a two-sided marketplace. We have shippers and carriers, and we've been building tools for shippers. We've been building a ton of things for our internal team to be able to support our customers. We had not really focused on building anything for the supply side of our marketplace. And in order to get that flywheel going, we need to be able to pull supply into the marketplace. And so putting tools in front of carriers like a load board, uh, a way to manage their profiles better, a way to publish rates in the system, we felt like we needed to position the tools in front of them to be able to use them to ultimately build their own business, but also to put more capacity in front of our, our shipper network. You know, part of the theme today has been, it was based on a story, furniture startup goes out of business. They blamed a tech misalignment with a logistics provider. What makes Forager's load board different from every other load board? And how do you make sure it's in, in good alignment with what you're looking for if you're a carrier or shipper? So, most trucking companies in the U.S. have a lot of different places they can go to find freight. They can, uh, they obviously, they've got the logos on, on the side of their trailers that almost act like a salesperson for them, but they don't generally have a sales team. And so they have to call one of the large brokers, one of the large digital brokers, or they've got to go to Truck Stop or DAT. There is not a system or a, a, 
a playground of sorts for carriers to go for cross-border freight. And so when carriers go into our load board, the only thing they're going to find is volume that goes across the border or to or from the border. You will never find a load from Chicago to Atlanta or Chicago to Dallas. You'll find freight coming out of Windsor going into the U.S. There's volume going in and out of every other part of Canada, the majority of Mexico, and a lot of volume going in and out of Laredo. Uh, it's specifically built for cross-border freight. It's built with the understanding of the fact that some carriers have B1 drivers and they have their own requirements that don't align with most other carriers. Uh, it allows them to be able to find capacity or find volume based on uh, specific crossing locations. It's it's built specifically with an understanding for how cross-border freight works. Uh, and I believe that most of those other load boards are not built to support that. It makes perfect sense to to create something like that, especially in your in your model there at Forager, to build something that is specific to that, not just just generic load board. Uh, so, car- how do carriers get in, get get on this? How do they connect? How do they get access to your to your load board? They can register on our website. So they'll they'll register with us, uh, get onboarded uh, through our system. If they're based in the U.S. or Canada, it's through RMIS, which uh, most companies partner with. If a carrier is based in Mexico, we actually built our own Mexico carrier onboarding system that they can register through. Uh, once they're registered with Forager, they'll be able to get access to the load board uh, where they can start placing bids on loads. They'll be able to book the loads for a rate uh, once we add that feature in the next few weeks. And then uh, they'll be able to manage their own profile. So they can tell us what states or provinces they service, what crossings they service, uh, the different types of equipment that they have. If they don't want to haul a certain product, so if you're a certain large trucking company that won't move beer or any type of alcohol, they'll be able to exclude that type of alcohol or they can exclude that commodity and not have to, to get suggested matches on freight that they're not willing to haul. Ooh, you know, that's we are going to be covering, especially as we move into February, we're going to be covering a lot of uh a lot of companies, shippers and carriers that are starting to move uh, marijuana, right? And there's a lot of regulations around that. So a, a tool like that would be very important, especially some integrations um, where you, if you can't pick it up, you can't cross state lines or something to that effect, you would know what to do. Um, no, it's cool though. I saw that you were named on Built in Chicago's list of best small companies to work for. I got to ask you, what makes a great Chicago freight company? Uh, can we start the debate again about Chicago versus Chattanooga? Oh, no. I, it's, it's, <laughs> no, in no, the fight, in the fight, please. I don't, I don't think it's about that. I, I think, you know, we've built up a really amazing team of people that both love freight and love technology. We've got people that are here that are absolutely obsessed with Mexico freight and Canada freight. We've got people here that are obsessed with marketplaces and with building technology that works better than what exists right now. And so we've been able to recruit a lot of really smart, really talented people, uh, whether they came from freight or not. They came from freight. They knew that there was a better way to do it. Or if they didn't come from freight, they knew that there was a challenge that needed to be tackled that they were obsessed with tackling. And so uh, we've been able to build an amazing culture. I'll, I'll tell you, you know, of the, I think, 75 or so people that we have, 60 something of the people that work here right now started after the pandemic ha- came into, into the U.S. and uh, they were onboarded remotely. Wow. And we've been able to build a culture remotely through, first of all, amazing work by our people operations leader, Sarah. She's done a phenomenal job with the onboarding process that has made it easier for everybody else to get onboarded. Um, The other half of it is that all of our tech is web-based. So whether it's Scout, what we're building, whether it's using Slack or email, everything's web-based. And so being able to be remote, being able to operate, whether it's from Chicago, Alaska, 
uh, Mexico City or France, people can operate in the same system and communicate uh, asynchronously without having to worry about uh, challenges across you know, time zones or geographies. That is wild. So 60 to 70% of the people that are there were onboarded remotely. What kind of party are you going to have when you guys can get together? <laughs> I mean, that's, that's crazy. It's awesome. But uh, Dooner, we don't have the wheel of stupid. Should we, should we make one up here or, or what? Or Well, I'm curious what, I, I think Matt would have a good answer to this one. We asked one of our guests earlier, uh, you, what we well, we have actually two, we have two questions for you, but one of them is if we, we were if we were in the 1400s, what what would your occupation be? Oh, in the 1400s, man, I'd be dead by the time I was 20 or something. <laughs> <There's>, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I guess I'd be the one. Dry, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I have no idea. I'd be dead by the time. I, I think it'd be brokering. I think it'd be one of those guys, you know, brokering moves on the ships, on the trade lanes yeah. and stuff like that, right? Right. He'd be the one uh, who's, uh, you know, chartering Columbus and that type of stuff, you know? Maybe. I don't, <laughs> don't want to get into any of the work you're doing. But yeah, something something along shipping stuff. Cool, man. <laughs> well, I am looking. I think more importantly, what people want to know is, is 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 has he ever been caught dancing when he thought nobody was watching? Ooh. No, no, I, well, the dance moves, I think echo Seth Rogen from knocked up. Um, so <laughs> it's, it's not, it's, it's, yeah, I think I've been caught doing it and uh, no, it has not been great. Well, <laughs> is it because you always expect people are watching or because you don't dance? No, just, I'm just bad at dancing. So whether they're I watching or not, I'm horrible at it. No, Matt, <laughs> Matt, do you live downtown or do you have a yard? We have a yard. Okay. So, dog so here's. Ball. Here's one for you. Would you rather, so you got to push lawnmower. Would you ever rather have one with a bar that's too high or a bar that's too low? Oh, too low. Ooh, okay. I had one that way. It hurt my back quite I, a bit, Matt. Yeah, but can you just kind of hold it like as if you're doing pull-ups or whatever? Or, uh, um, yeah, I feel like you could do that. I don't know. I haven't thought about it. <laughs> okay, Matt. Well, <laughs> Matt, where do we... You were very confident in that answer, though. Well, well Matt, Matt, well, you one, you only get two options. Well, Matt, it, it, it sounds like you are. Uh, it, it sounds like you're growing big and you are receptive to remote work and all those things. So, if people either want to use your service or maybe join your team, where should we send them to? ForgerSES.com. We've got uh, job openings for engineering, sales, uh, carrier development, and then. Um, we obviously have a massive network that we're building and we'd love to have more carriers and more shippers to be part of it. Matt, thank you so much for your time today. Have a great weekend, brother. Thank you. You too. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks, Matt. Bye. Eric Serta said he'd be the captain of a badass pirate ship. Yeah, my kind of man. And Peter Molay says uh, blacksmithing for sure. I think you'd be a pirate or a blacksmith. With that beard, you'd be, you know, yeah. Blackbeard. There you go. But That's you. But you look like a pirate, kind of. I mean, with your headband, and everything. Yeah. yeah, traveling pirate today. That's like a road tripping pirate, land pirate. <laughs> yeah, land pirate. <laughs> All right, let's get into some more stuff here. The bad news and good news. All right, good news, bad news. What do we got going on today? Oh, okay. This is good news. Maybe CDL requirements have been relaxed, right? As the trucking industry is contending with a uh, with a short with a shortage of drivers because a lot of CDL uh, schools are closed because of the pandemic and all this freight and stuff. The FMCSA issued a final ruling in December to lessen the difficulty in, in obtaining a CDL. The ruling came in response to complaints that knowledge and skills testing standards were too restrictive, but. 
Michael Vincent, you make uh, you make the barrier to entry easier. It can lead to some problems. So here's the bad news. Reliance Partners' Brian Runnels, he thinks that this can open the door to CEDL fraud. He said, there's a lot of schools out there that do things the right way, but there are some that don't. Pay your fee and we'll give you a CDL. Um, and this isn't without precedence before. Freightways reports that over $7 million in fines, forfeiture, and restitution, in addition to more than 54 years in total incarceration for individuals sentenced to CDL Fraud has been recorded by federal investigators over the past four years. Yeah, that's um, it's a little bit scary. I think it does open that door. I mean, you know, I got my CDL online from the uh, CDL school of Dooner. <laughs> How good is that? <laughs> right. <laughs> More bad news. CNN reports a bus crash through an overpass barrier in New York City, Bronx area, according to New York uh, Police Department. My friend, look at those pictures. Yeah. Dude. Check that out. Is that crazy? The good news is, though, uh, only seven people were injured, which is a bit of a miracle. I mean, look at these pictures, my friend. That looks like, that a, not look like a good fun ride down. No, it looks like the T-Rex in Jurassic Park, like knocked it over the side. Uh, they're, they're really lucky that uh, anyone below them or anybody inside that thing didn't get severely injured. That um, that would not have been good at all. I mean, that just looks terrible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, whoo, there's there's a ride, my friend. Well, Why are you late? Well, we jumped up overpass. Yeah, yeah. Sure I mean, well done by the I bet the, the driver got his dry, his license from the Duder School Online. <laughs> he could have. And Eric sort of mentioned Spider-Man. Yeah, Spider-Man throwing some webs in there. Then when the bus falls, you know, you stick a web on a person and you hold on to him. And then the bus falls and you, and you still just have them hanging by the web. Yeah, or it was a mistake by Mr. Incredible. I've seen a few of those. <laughs> could, have, could have been. Uh, here's some bad news. A um, trooper, Chelsea Honshin, she says... Uh, a sea lion, a sea lion got lost on the highway here. Uh, I don't know if you can, and it's a 35 mile per hour speed limit. So I don't know. And with congestion ahead, maybe caused by this, uh, this sea lion, but I guess it was raining everywhere. It was super wet. And I don't know if the, the water he was in flooded or something, but somehow this sea lion starts, uh, starts flopping around on the highway. By the way, I don't know if, um, if you've tried out Discovery Plus yet. Discovery Plus is yet another streaming network, but it has everything in the, um, Discovery Networks in there. And one of the the shows that I was watching yesterday with my kids was um, they have like a reality show based out of the aquarium right down in Atlanta, Georgia. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Have you ever been to that, that, uh, the Atlanta Aquarium down there? No, no. My son really, really wants to go, though, because they have the whale shark over there. So, you know, as soon as, uh, you know, we feel comfortable going into a crowded aquarium, we'll, uh, we're going to make a trip down oh, to yeah, yeah. Uh, Atlanta. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Do the backstage stuff. That's what we did. That's that's really cool. You get up up close and personal view of everything that's going on. Where was the sea lion at? That's surely that's not Chattanooga. Do we know where that was? Where is this? She's <laughs> I mean, so. Where does a sea lion come out onto the road? It says SR SR four near Hull Road, but I am not sure exactly what district this would have been in. But the good news is that the sea lion it, it made its its way back to uh to the water and and jumped back in and went on its merry sea lion way. Okay, very cool. So that's the good news. It was just crossing the crossing yeah. the road. Why did the sea lion cross the road? I don't know. Did you know that octopus can come out of the water and like hunt for crabs and stuff? They can spend like five minutes out of the water and they do get out of the water. There's this documentary called My Octopus Teacher. And um, there's this like really thrilling she scene where a thing called a pajama shark is chasing this, this octopus around. And octopuses are just amazing creatures. They can change their color immediately based on whatever surface they're yeah. around they can change their shape they're yeah. wicked wicked smart like you wouldn't think it but they're super smart creatures because they don't have shells they're like these super evolved mollusks well the shark's chasing it the freaking octopus gets out of the water and he like starts 
hiding out on shore. And then he gets out and he goes back in. <laughs> then I saw another video with an octopus. That's, I saw another video with an octopus. It, not, it's not fair, man. That's like getting out of the pool when you're playing, uh, you know, uh, Marco Polo. You can't do that stuff. I mean, that shark's got a reason to, like, to bitch about this a little bit. I mean, you can't leave when I'm chasing you. Leave the water. What the hell's that? Well, then I saw another video where the shark, and I actually have it on Twitter, at Timothy Dooner. You can follow me on Twitter. The shark gets on land, and then it, like, hides in a little puddle, and then it grabs a crab and sucks it into the water. <laughs> Man. Have you, ever seen, have you ever witnessed personally one of these things, uh, 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 an octopus on land? No, I love. they're one of my favorite animals. I love, I love a good octopus. But, you know, at aquariums, they're known as escape artists, too. They tend to get in those water pipes because they can make themselves super small and just flow themselves back in the ocean. Don't mess uh, with an octopus. Uh, yes, I, I learned that on Finding Dory, my friend. Yeah, smart, smart. Highly educational. <laughs> a very educational film. Uh, so, and the marine biologists, when they were, when they were talking about this scene where the um, – or the octopus grabs the crab. She was explaining the tentacles on an octopus, and they have they have neurons throughout each one of those suckers. So like they're basically like taste buds. And she was saying it would be like if you had taste buds all over your feet, and you could step, you could taste everything that you walked on, which kind of put a gross, uh, oh. a gross taste in my mouth. Yeah, I don't think that'd be all that. I don't think that'd be all that good. But I, where was I reading just recently? Like an octopus, don't they? They have basically really uh, almost like two legs and then six arms. Mm. Is what I read. Something like like that. They'll, they'll use two two of the tentacles uh, the majority of the time to like run across the the uh, the uh, uh, bottom of the ocean. But I had no idea they were running down my street. Yeah. Well, <laughs> if we if, if we were pirates in the 1400s, you know, we'd have to look out for that kraken. Now that we know how like intelligent and dangerous. By the way, almost all octopuses are venomous too. The only one venomous to humans, the blue ringed octopus. All the wonderful things you learn here Ooh. on what the truck. You're gonna learn even you more. Go. You're gonna learn even more tomorrow on radio, three to five p.m. Eastern time. Sirius XM's Road Dog Trucking Channel 146. I got Jane Jazrawe. She's the CEO of Carriers Edge. I've got Julie Dillon. She's the wellness manager for. St. Christopher's Truckers Relief Fund. We have the TikTok and trucker, Mr. Wayne Craig. And uh, someone from Freightways will be oh, doing the news nice. with me. Maybe you. I don't know. Are you busy tomorrow? No, I'm up for it, man. All Send right. me an invite. I'll be there. All right. And Michael Vincent yeah, will be there with me. Uh, Monday, we're not. We have uh, MLK Day off. So uh, I hope many of you do as well. So we will not be broadcasting a show, but we will be back on Wednesday. And if you saw our last Wednesday show, Superstar Hour, but you know what? It was all males. So we're going to have the Superstar Hour of females on Wednesday. And get this, Melanie Wise, CEO of Fetch Robotics, and Allison Barr Allen, nice. C Allison Barr Allen, COO and co-founder of Fast. Fast is doing one-click truck checkouts throughout the internet, uh, accelerating all of this e-commerce that we talk about. So I am super excited to hear about a startup like that that has done so well. They're especially, they do a really good job on social media as well. That that sounds awesome. I, I love it. All female show. Yeah, come on, let's do it. Except for us, you know, <laughs> you can't fix that problem. But uh, well, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but you know what? I mean, look. Last year we interviewed more females. Uh, that we more females, more truckers, uh, more diversity than any other show in supply chain. Not saying that to toot our horn, but we like to bring in all perspectives on this show. So if you think you have a great story, T Dooner at FreightWaves.com. Share it with me. Find me on Twitter at Timothy Dooner. Look me up on LinkedIn. You can find Michael Vincent too. See you Wednesday. Amen. Right on. Peace and love. Peace and love.